you need him more than you've ever needed him before. And if it's a difficult time, you want him more than you've ever wanted him because all of us want a better reality than the negativity that we face in our, our world week in and week out. It is amazing as I, I go and I sit down and I, I talk to people, the kind of things that they're facing. Scott and I yesterday were taking uh, flowers from a, a funeral from the week before, beautiful arrangements. Uh, matter of fact, it was Sue Sauber's sister. She'd been a teacher, middle school teacher. And, uh, you know, 69 years old, went home to be with the Lord. And the floral arrangements were so beautiful that Sue wanted to share them. So she made a lot of arrangements. And Scott and I uh, spent yesterday taking them out to people in the nursing home. You know, there's a, a pastor in the nursing home. And he's, uh, I think he's 82 years old. Could be 80. We saw two uh, and they were right in there together. And my mind is, uh, you know, not the sharpest knife in the drawer these days. Uh, I realized that when the elevator started talking to me and I turned around and was going to shake its hand and talk back, you know, things like that happen to guys that are my age. It just happens, you know. And uh, I could tell some stories on some of you too, but I'm not going to. That's where we are. You know, we, we, we get that way. And in the infirmities in life, I felt so bad because this was a guy who'd gotten converted into ministry, second career. He lived his life in ministry, and his, uh, his son had a, such a debilitating stroke. He was 48 years old, and now at age 50, he feels like he's going to lose him. And see, he's in a, a nursing home, and he says to Scott and me, I don't it just doesn't feel right that something like that happens. Now, that's what I'm talking about when I say life is real and sometimes life is real hard. You need Christ. I need Christ. We need him more than we've ever needed him. And in the context of our nation, we need him more than we've ever needed him. And so we were looking. I mean, it's one thing to say it, right? It is. It's one thing to say we need him. And so we're going to press on. Yeah, but, but I mean, how? Spiritual life just doesn't accidentally happen. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul prayed that the image of Christ would be spiritually formed in you. You see, this thing about Trinity's mission statement, about encountering and engaging and empowering people, is all about making disciples. But you know what the interesting thing is? The Greek word there, poieso, to make, means to get your hands and arms dirty. You see, we're in it. It is, it, it is a tough thing to try to, to encourage people in a time when discouraging things happen. You know, I was, I was sitting there with that gentleman, and I was wondering, what if that that was my daughter. You know, I've got two daughters. And when we actually enter in, it's heartbreaking. We have a world that desperately needs to know another reality. And you know, this morning I've been feeling it. I challenged our 825 church. Uh, listen, so we have one service that's pretty full most of the time in Trinity, but we have three services. Look at all the room there is 
both this morning here and in all of our services to invite people, friends, the community with us to come to know Christ. But that takes an extra step, right? For all of us. I'm not, I'm not just preaching to you. Hey, same thing, you know, especially me, you know, in this uh, extroverted things and it's doom and gloom outside, right? I mean, don't you wonder just, God, if you're hearing our prayers, why we can't have a sunny Sunday one week, you know? I mean, this is morbid weather we're having, you know, right? I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it's terrible like that. And we say, come on, give us a little, a little break here. And then we say, and, and please, not, 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 we're not talking about a broken neck. We need a different break. You know, weather, sunshine in our soul. You know, John Denver saying, sunshine on my shoulders makes me happy. And I just quoted a, a guy that was contemporary in my world that is ancient history for you. That's why it's all doom and gloom. It's hard to soar with the eagles when I'm living the life of a turkey, you know. As, as we were reaching out, another pastor who was a pastor that uh, two of his sons come to church here. And he said, uh, he's, he's 90 now. And uh, he's very involved in my life because I was involved in his life. I was his youth pastor years and years and years ago. And he said, Ron, he calls me Ronald just to get on my nerves. It still works. Anyway, he said, Ronald, how many years you've been in ministry now? And I thought, you know, uh, in July, I start my 43rd year. And now that's in the upper 2% of all the 600 we have in the annual conference. How do I get so old? How, do, how does the time go? Now, I want to say something for sure. You don't have the time just to wait for it to be your best year spiritually. It's carpe diem. Seize the moment now. The scripture says, beloved, now are we the children of God. So Pastor Glenn was trying to motivate the, the preachers in his district, on this district of Delaware Bay, and they were having something I call like a preach-off, you know. And Pastor Glenn said, if your idea of a good church is based on pictures or fun or meaningful things you had in the church yesterday, your concept of a church is a museum. It's a figure that you saw in the past. But Methodism is desperately waiting for congregations who exercise their faith today so that today is the best day of your spiritual walk. And this year is the best year of your church. And we have enough people here that if we exercise our faith, our church can catch fire again and it can go. But you see, uh, we, have, we have all of our reasons. And Glenn said, I got to tell you, if you can't muster the reason so it can be today and you can't live into the circumstances God has given you today, Methodism is in trouble. And then we went on to notice this, that uh, I can't remember whether it's 60 or 80. I want to say 80, but I, sure enough, I'll misquote it. So let me undershoot it by 20%. 
at least 60% of all Methodist churches in the state of New Jersey have less than 60 people in church this morning. That's, that's staggering. And what's really staggering is I really believe in my mind that it's, it's probably the, the 80%. Uh, and out of that percentage that have less than 60, on our district, most of the less than 60 churches are somewhere between 20 and 30. Today is the day we need to be alive. I mean, parents, think of what we bring to the table if our best days of parenting were, were yesterday. Now, we're not talking about circumstances and ideals. And again, I want to remind you, if, if the context is difficult, that just means it's all the reason more that we have to lean into it. But parents, you can't, you can't stop parenting. I thought maybe when my kids got in their high 20s, I was going to have a little break, you know. No, no, no. No, no. I'm, I'm going to confess the, the, the poison that there is in my soul. I thought I deserved a little break. You know, all right, two cars and paying the college bills and then seeing you, you know, marry a person and hoping it's the right person and then those boneheads you call son. No, no, I didn't really. <laughs> You know, the inner dialogue in, in our mind, hey, it, does your mind get as, as twisted around as, as my mind does? And then I think, I'm ready for that commercial. You deserve a break today. But you have a better privilege than a break. You have a person. You have a God who is a real person. They call him the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ. And this year, this moment, you've never needed him more. And I'm praying that you've never wanted him more. And the reality of it is our church, our community, and our world has never missed him more than we miss him if we don't live a life in touch with Jesus Christ. I'm excited about our men's retreat, men. We're going to be looking at David versus the real giant, and the real giant was never Goliath. It was always David's heart. Could he master his heart before God? Could he stay faithful to his marriage commitment? Could he stay humble as a king? Could he still include Worship is a regular part of his life. So yesterday in the little letter that was sent out that uh, Mike sends out, we said there, there is a trinity to being a disciple. If being a disciple is the reason trinity exists, and that's what our mission statement says, there is a trinity to being a disciple. We need to build into our schedule. That, that talks about discipline. Building into our schedule a commitment to worship. Why? Is that the preacher's way of running the statistics? No chance. It's because when you come in the door to worship, you bring something only you can bring. And I need that. All of us have something great we bring. That never was more clear to me than in the 7 o'clock service Christmas Eve when three of our middle school and high schoolers sang us to the feet of Jesus Christ. What gifts you have. 
We need him. We want him. We commit together to worship him, and you're needed, desperately needed. Why? Because we want to lift Christ up. We want to thank him and exalt him. We want to tell him that we love him because of who he is. He's not just the emergency switch when we're having a problem, so we yank on it. He's the God of our love life. Every good, this is a direct quote from Scripture. Listen to this one. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. You see the Advent candle burning? Every good gift you've ever received has been from Him. Every one. So we want to love Him like never before. That doesn't mean you got to be a, a religious, I don't even know what one is, but I'm going to say like a religious geek. You know the picture you got in your mind that it's some, some robotic religion, you know, like Trinity meets Pastor Ron the robot, you know. It's, it's being real and authentically you, just who you are, Jesus in your life, the hope of glory. And so we need to love him and worship him. That's got to be the center. And I want to say this. I want to say this about leadership. If, if you're trying to lead in the church and worship isn't the center, your whole faith is out of kilt. It's out of whack. It's out of joint. Because worship is the central experience of the adoration of Jesus Christ. John Wesley, the father of Methodism, said this, the chief purpose for a human being is to enjoy God in time and eternity. And worship, like A.W. Tozer said, is the missing jewel of that. We need our leaders to lean in to worship of the living God so that our services are transforming. Point two, we need to study. <laughs> There's no one here that has ever gotten ahead in life or even gotten to where you need to be in life without study. No one. You know, my wife has a first grade literacy degree in, in, in training first graders. There's no such thing as a first grader getting ready to go forward unless somebody has really been willing to lean into their life to teach them literacy, right? Well, what about literacy of the kingdom? I get a, a few letters, more than a few letters of complaint because, you know, too biblical therefore goes over our head. Well, what about literacy? What about the book that says if you've been a Christian for so long, you ought to be doing the teaching? But we're still like, like kindergarten students. You see, this is a great year to say, I am going to learn more. I'm going to be in a different grade than I was when I started. I'm still in kindergarten, and I've been at it pretty hard. But maybe I can get to first grade in 2019. I'm just speaking for me. Study. Do you know Paul told Timothy, his son in the faith, study to show yourself approved as a workman unto God. Study. And then finally... Besides worship, besides study, serve, serve, serve. Trinity, you get an A-plus in service. You just keep serving and serving. It's a beautiful thing. Thank God that you're a serving church. But let's serve in the balance of loving Christ in worship, 
of studying so we can know him better and serving. And you know who said it? The Apostle Paul. This is a guy in solitary confinement. And what does he do with his persecution? He writes 13 books of our New Testament so that we can be Christians too. What a faith. What a victory. He's one persecution away from being killed. And he says, you know what I want to do? This, this is how I heard Pastor Glenn saying it, just like the Apostle Paul. Matter of fact, I think I'm going to call Pastor Glenn and tell him I'm going to nickname him Paul. Pastor Glenn Paul, how's that? Pastor Glenn and the Apostle Paul said this. So here's what a living faith ought to do. Forget what's behind. We're not a museum. Strain for what is ahead. And we press on. We press on for the mark, for the prize of the high call of God in Christ Jesus. Y'all can do it. Y'all will do it. God is going to bless you to do it. Everything is there that's necessary for you to do it. And all of us can gain that ground. We press on. And you know where it was sealed? In the night Jesus was betrayed. In the night he was betrayed. Think of that one. In the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he blessed it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, this bread is me. It's my body given for you. That's why I can preach this morning. It's not to see if Pastor Ron can get okay on the drum up scale and I can drum up the action on a gloomy day outside. No. God has given himself so you can do it. Somebody say amen. amen. Do you believe that Jesus has given himself? This bread is my body given for you. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is my blood of the new covenant shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. So we pray this morning, O Christ, that this bread will be your body in the mystery of the sacrament for us. And that this cup will be the blood that you use to wash away our sins. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We press on.